You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's take our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to Jeremiah chapter 41, and hopefully we'll get into Jeremiah 42 tonight. But I want you to notice Jeremiah 41. We saw last week uh, verses 1 through uh, 10, I guess. We really focused on verse 10 where the Bible says that Ishmael uh, came in. Sorry, fellas, I forgot to turn my mic on there. Ishmael came in as the enemy of God's people and he carried away captive, verse 10, all the residue of the people that were in Mizpah. The end of the verse says that he carried them away captive and departed to go over to the Ammonites. So he's taken them away from Judah. He's taken them away from their land and he's trying to take them to the land of Ammon. But notice verse number 11. The Bible says, but when Johanan, the son of Korea and all the captains of the forces that were with him, when they heard of all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah had done, then they took all the men and went to fight with Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and found him by the great waters that are in Gibeon. Now it came to pass that when all the people which were with Ishmael saw Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were with him, then they were, what's that last word? Glad. Can I tell you that's the way we ought to be when we get set free? That's the way we ought to feel when somebody comes and rescues us. That's the way we ought to feel every day when we think about the fact that Jesus Christ came and saved our sorry soul and put us on a new path and set our feet upon a rock. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight as we look at your word and we do our best to uh, rightly divide the scripture and to make applications and to apply uh, these verses. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And Lord, I believe from this passage, I don't believe we'll see a lot of doctrine in this passage, but I believe we'll see a lot of instruction. And I pray that you'd help us to be instructed, to receive the word, and Holy Spirit, would you show us some things in our life that we need to work on. I pray we would not leave here the same as when we came in. I pray that for those who came discouraged, I pray that they'd leave encouraged. I pray for those that came in maybe a, a little complacent. I pray we'd leave with a greater burden and a greater desire to please you and serve you with our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we saw number one, the captives. Um, I won't go through all the story, but I do want to remind you the background, the the captives were taken first by the Babylonians. The remnant were left there in Judah. Jeremiah was there among the remnant. Well, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he appointed a man by the name of Gedaliah. Gedaliah was the governor who was kind of overseeing the remnant. Well, remember, they came to Gedaliah and they said, hey, Ishmael's going to try to kill you. Ishmael's going to come and he's going to try to assassinate you and and uh, uh, Gedaliah didn't believe him. He said, no, you're lying about it. And sure enough, remember we read in chapter 41 that uh, here comes Ishmael and he's got 10 guys with him. And I don't imagine they were scrawny. 
I don't imagine they were wimpy looking. I imagine they were pretty big and pretty tough, and they all had swords. And so they sit down to eat a meal. Now, that's not the kind of meal I'm going to sit down and enjoy, right? That's not the kind of meal you're going to be able to relax. And sure enough, during that meal, uh, Ishmael and uh, his men, they kill Gedaliah. And not only do they kill Gedaliah, they kill all the men that are with him. And then there's about 80 men coming to worship the Lord, and they killed 70 of them. And they basically stole from the other 10 all their riches and all their treasure. And so then after that, they say, hey, here are some captives. Here's some people that we can take and we can escape with these people into the land of Ammon. Well, that's where verse number 11 picks up. And that's where somebody decided, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to take these people captive. You're not going to take these people of God. You're not going to take them away from the land that God had placed them in. And this man, his name is Johanan. Remember last week we defined his name? We said the name Johanan literally means God is gracious. And aren't you so glad that we serve a gracious God? We serve a God that is merciful and kind and full of compassion. And Johanan comes on the scene and he says, we got to do something about this. And so he gets his men together. They chase down Ishmael and they overtake them. And the Bible says that when all the people, all the captives... They saw the horses coming. They saw the army coming. And when they saw the rescue coming, the people, the Bible says, then they were glad. Can you imagine how awful it would have been for those people who are being taken captive if they would have said, oh, no, here comes the rescue team. Oh, man, that's no fun. We don't want to be rescued. We're, we kind of like these chains. We kind of like being prisoners. We kind of like being taken against our will. But can I tell you, they were, did not respond by being disappointed. They responded by being glad. I'd like to say this. When you get rescued, you ought to be happy about it. And when you get rescued, you ought to never forget the day that you were rescued. You saw and I saw some terrible scenes last week as people were trying to flee and trying to escape from Afghanistan. Can I tell you why they were trying to get away? Because they didn't want to stay where they were. They didn't want to be in the environment, the situation that they were in. They were looking for somebody or someone that could rescue them from that. Well, friend, I got news for you. I think we ought to do all we can with uh, humanitarian efforts, and I think we ought to do all we can to feed the poor, and I think we ought to do all we can to heal the sick. I'm not against those things, but the greatest need that anybody has in this world is the need for their soul to be saved, because if someone is fed, and someone is clothed, and someone is treated medically, they may have a life that is more comfortable on this earth, but the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Let's not forget the fact that there are people that need Christ. There are people that need to be rescued. I don't know, you may be a Johanan for somebody. You may be the one that God would send and you could rescue somebody. You say, well, I'm not good at rescuing. Well, that's the blessing about serving God. You don't have to be good at it. You just have to be willing. You just have to be available. You just have to say, hey, God, here am I. 
send me whatever you need me to do. He said, well, pastor, how could I rescue someone? Well, the best way you could rescue anyone is just to tell somebody how you got rescued, just to share your testimony, just to tell somebody about the day you got saved, just to tell somebody about what Jesus has done in your life. You may be somebody's Johanan. There may be somebody that needs to be rescued and you might be the one to reach them. I'll say this, I believe there needs to be more joy and more rejoicing over our salvation. I think sometimes we, we, get, a little, we get a little somber, we get a little serious, and, and I'm not sure why that is. Uh, I'm not saying we need to be weird. I'm not saying we need to be goofy. But boy, when you start singing these songs about Jesus and songs about the blood and songs about the cross and songs about heaven, there ought to be something going on on the inside. There ought to be some joy. There ought to be some rejoicing. When you think about the day, that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life and you were passed from death unto life, there ought to be something inside that gets you excited. And by the way, there are things that get us excited. For some of us, it's a good meal, right? Boy, we get excited about that. Uh, for some of us, maybe it's a new toy or a new gadget or uh, for some, maybe it's a trip or maybe it's a, a hobby or maybe it's a sport or maybe some of you, you can hardly wait uh, for college football. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's hunting season, but something gets you excited. But I don't believe anything ought to get us more excited than the fact that we have been rescued. We've been saved from our sins. Number two, the word is cheer. You see, Romans 10, 15, the Bible tells us that when we take the gospel, we are delivering glad tidings of good things. I want to ask you tonight, when was the last time you told somebody about the day you got saved? When was the last time you shared your testimony? When was the last time that you, 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 you carried with you a, a gospel track and you just took a moment to say, hey, I want to tell you the best news anybody ever shared with me. I know things are kind of different. We were, we, uh, during COVID, we uh, sent out, I think it was, um, Brother Nathan would know, I think it was 10 or 15,000 mailings that we sent out. Every one of them had the plan of salvation on them. Uh, during that time, we also, we went out blitzing. We did every door in Roanoke Rapids, every door in Gaston, every door in, um, where else did we go? I don't know if we went to Weldon with the blitzing. I think we did. We did every door. We started again the second time in Roanoke Rapids. Uh, we're doing more of that. Uh, there's, we're, we're knocking on doors some, but we're trying to be cautious because of, you know, people are, 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 are nervous about things. I understand that. But I want to tell you, people might be nervous about COVID. But people ought to be nervous about hell. And people ought to be nervous about the fact that if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, there's no hope. Without Christ, there's no other way to get to heaven. And when was the last time that you told somebody the good news of the gospel? When was the last time you delivered glad tidings? Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. Hold your place in Jeremiah 42. But look with me at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11. This is a man by the name of Barnabas, and I love this guy. The name Barnabas literally means consolation. He was an encourager. He was a blessing. And can I tell you, we got some people like that in this church, and I thank God for you because we need your encouragement. 
There's enough discouragement out in the world. There's enough discouragement from the, uh, the, the devil and all the wickedness going on. We need some encouragement. But here's what Barnabas said, uh, said about Barnabas in Acts eleven twenty three. 23. It says, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. You know what? When Barnabas saw that people were getting saved, when he saw the grace of God at work in people's life, lives, the Bible says he was glad. I want to tell you this. I hope you never get tired of hearing in church, hey, so-and-so got saved. I hope you never get tired of hearing in church, Hey, so-and-so got saved, and today they're following the Lord in believer's baptism. I hope you never get tired of hearing when we have a, a report about the bus ministry. Hey, we had two that got saved on the bus route today. Hey, we had children get saved in this Christian school. We had children get saved in kids' crusade. I want to tell you, that ought to be the greatest thing. That ought to be the most exciting thing you'll hear in your lifetime, is that somebody got saved. The Bible says there is rejoicing. In the presence of the angels, every time that the Duke basketball team wins a game. No, 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 it doesn't say that. By the way, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of rejoicing going on, if that's the case. Um, but there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repented. There's joy. There ought to be some cheer. Number two, the word is cheer. No, number three, I want you to see back in Jeremiah 41... Verse number 18, I want you to see the concern. So they were rescued in verse number 13. Excuse me, verse 13 says they were glad they saw the rescue coming. In verse 14, so all the people that Ishmael carried away captive from Mizpah cast about and returned and went unto Johanan, the son of Korea. But Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, he escaped from Johanan with eight men and went to the Ammonites. So then Johanan takes all the people back Verse number 17, and they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham. That's a, a town near Bethlehem. And it says that they were getting ready to enter into Egypt. Whoa, 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 hang on. These guys are supposed to be going back and staying in Judah. These guys are supposed to be going back to where God had given them the land and God had blessed them with all the, the crops and all the fruits and all the provisions. But it says they're... They're, they're, they're getting ready to, to go into Egypt. Why would you get rescued and then go to Egypt? Why would you get rescued and set free and your chains are gone and your, uh, your, 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 your bonds are, are removed and now rather than going back to where God wants you to be, you're going to go to Egypt. Notice what it says, verse number 18 the reason is because of the Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them, because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had slain Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had made governor in the land. Number three, I want you to see the concern. They were afraid of the Babylonians. Because Gedaliah had been killed, they were afraid now of what the Babylonians might do to them. It, it wasn't their fault. They didn't kill Gedaliah, but they were fearful. You see, these people, much like us, 
These people chose fear over faith. You ever been there? That's called human nature. <laughs> That's called the automatic. It seems like we can be so much faith on Wednesday night and then Thursday morning, all of a sudden, we're fearful. Or you have a great day in church on Sunday and God speaks to your heart and you're, and you're encouraged and you're blessed and you've got faith. I mean, you are ready to conquer the world. And then Monday morning, you're fearful again. And I tell you, these people, they chose fear over faith. They'd been rescued, but they were still afraid. Well, I want to remind us this evening that if Jesus could rescue you from bondage, if Jesus could rescue you from sin, if Jesus could save your soul from hell, he can take care of whatever you're facing today. You see, that's not even a big deal compared to the fact that he has given you eternal life in heaven. And so the things that we're facing right here and right now, those things are so minor compared to what God's already done for us. But yet we forget the fact that if God could save us for eternity, he could take care of us today. I want to ask you this evening, and you don't have to answer out loud, you don't have to write it down, but I want to ask you to think about it. But what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? And we're all afraid of stuff, I promise you that. Uh, Caleb was talking about uh, Ryan and Ryder and not to be afraid because Jesus is strong, and I thought that was so good. Well, that, that's cute for children, but you know, sometimes that's the way we are. We're afraid and we think, well, yeah, Jesus is strong for somebody else. But I don't know if he can do it for me. Yeah, you know, I know what Jesus said in the Bible and I know what God did for the heroes of the faith and I know what God did for people of yesteryear. I know what God did for my parents or I know what God did for my grandparents, but I don't know if God can do that today. Well, I want to tell you, he's the same God today that he was back then. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No reason to fear, no reason to worry, because we have a God who is able to do all, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Number three, the concern. Number four, I want you to see quickly, the counsel. Jeremiah 42, the people were afraid. They're getting ready to go into Egypt. So chapter 42, verse 1 all the captains of the forces and Johanan, the son of Korea and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshai and all the people from the least even to the greatest came near. And they said unto Jeremiah, the prophet, let we beseech thee our supplication be accepted before thee and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many as thine eyes do behold us. Verse 3, here's what they said. Would you pray, Jeremiah, for us that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. Now, here's a, a very, very great thing to ask. They come to Jeremiah and they say, Jeremiah, we need you to pray for us. And by the way, I think it's a great thing when somebody will say, hey, would you pray for me? You know what that tells me? It tells me somebody knows they need the Lord. Somebody knows they need some help. And what a privilege it is for us to pray for one another. 
Hey, there's sometimes you can't help with uh, money, you can't help with your time, you can't help with fixing a problem, but you can always pray for somebody. And I don't know that there's anything greater you could do for somebody than to pray for them. But they come to Jeremiah and they said, would you pray for us? We want God to show us the way. We want God to show us how we're supposed to walk and we want God to show us what we're supposed to do. Notice verse four. Jeremiah said, uh, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Jeremiah says, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God will show you exactly what you're supposed to do. And Jeremiah said this, and I got one better. I'm going to tell you exactly what God says. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to change it up. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. He said, whatever God tells me, I'm going to tell you exactly like he told me. In verse 5, then they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not even according to all the things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee uh, to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will... What's that next word? Whew. That's a bold statement. They said, hey, whether we like it or not, whether it makes us feel good or not, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord. They said, hey, whatever God says, we want to know. Whatever God speaks, we're going to do it. Would you notice verse number seven? This is number uh, four. We said is the counsel. I don't know if I gave you that word, the counsel. They wanted counsel from God. But here, number five, I want you to notice the calm. The calm. Verse number seven, it says, it came to pass after how many days? <laughs> Those are not the answers to prayer I like. I like the answers to prayer that come in 10 seconds. I like the answers to prayer that about the time I'm saying in Jesus' name, amen, the answer is there. And I don't mind, I don't mind God giving me patience. I just want it right now. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else, you know, you, you know where we're at there? And after how many days? 10 days. But somebody waited on God. We see that it was Jeremiah. Because it says that the word of the Lord, verse 7, came unto Jeremiah. There was a calm. There was a peace. For Jeremiah, he wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't trying to push things through. He wasn't trying to rush God into an answer. I want to ask you tonight, would you be willing to wait on the Lord for 10 days? If you had something major, if you had a request, would you be willing to wait on the Lord for 10 days? Let me ask you this, what if it wasn't 10 days? What if it was 10 weeks? That's a long time. It's a long time when you need an answer. What if God didn't answer for 10 months? It was almost a year. By the way, I think we've all had some prayers like that, have we not? That it was not days, it was not weeks, but it was months. What about this? What about the times when you pray and it doesn't come in months? 
but it takes years for God to answer. You say, what's taking God so long? Because he's got a perfect plan. God's got a way of working everything out for our good, but also for his glory. And God's not in a hurry. You see, for us, we're, we're in a hurry. And the more technology we get, the more we are in a hurry, right? Uh, High-speed internet is no longer fast enough. Uh, I mean, you know, Amazon Prime. You, how many of you, how many of you, uh, you know you have Amazon Prime? Let me see your hands. I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. Good. Makes me feel better. But do you remember when you used to order something and it used to come in the mail? And they would say, you know, seven to ten days or two to three weeks or whatever. And that was just the way it was. Well, Amazon Prime came around and it's like two days. But sometimes two days, we're not even patient enough to wait two days for something, right? It's like the more things get better, the, the more impatient we are, it seems like. But I want to remind us it may be 2021, but God's not in a rush. God's not on your schedule. God's not on my schedule, but we ought to be on his schedule. And there was a calm. There was a waiting for God to answer. And Jeremiah didn't rush things. He didn't make something up. He didn't tell the people, well, I think this is what God's going to say. He waited on the Lord. Verse 8, he called the people. Verse 9, he gave them the answer. He said, folks, here is what God has said. Verse 10, if ye will still abide in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Verse 11, be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. You know how we can have a calm? You know how we can have a peace? You know how we can wait on God? When we know that he's got everything under control. God said, you don't have to be afraid of the king of Babylon. He said, I'm going to show mercy to you and I'm going to make sure that the king of Babylon shows mercy to you. You see, God not only is in control of what he does, he's in control of the universe. I love Proverbs 21. I've used this verse a lot. But it reminds us that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. You know who, you know who put the rivers in the exact place that they are in? God did that. Say, well, you know, I've, I've seen some man-made canals. Well, yeah, you know how much work that takes? That takes years. That takes millions of dollars just to do one canal or just to do uh, one waterway. Uh, but can I tell you, God just had to speak to put the waters and the rivers in their places and to, to, to position the lakes and to position the streams and to position the oceans. And, and God's got control of that. And the way that God has control of that, God also has control, not just of the average ordinary people like us, he's got control of the kings and the rulers of the world. They are all in the control of his hand. That'll give you a call. 
And that'll give you a peace to know that God is still in control. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.